Thank you so much for coming tonight. I appreciate you making the effort to be here. I know there's other things you could have been doing. I wouldn't have called this meeting if I didn't feel that it was very important. And it's not often that I have done a Sunday night service in this church. But I do want to encourage you to get used to it. <laughs> Every once in a while... Every once in a while, I was uh, reading Brother Hagin's book and listening to his message uh, recently about plans and pursuits and so forth, and he mentioned in there that from time to time, God will instruct the leader to have special meetings, and that... uh, they're, they're special in that God wants something specific done. So if I call a meeting for a Sunday evening like this, which most of the time would be the most feasible time, then it's not because I haven't had a place to preach recently. <laughs> not because I need the practice. It would be because I believe the Spirit of God has directed me to do so. Amen. 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 There are some changes taking place in me and in this church, which includes you, praise God. You're the church. And I'm excited about it. I said I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. Carolyn leaned over here, uh, leaned over to me this morning. She said, I love my church. You know, we founded this church, what, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I started out pastoring it. And, um, and then, of course, we raised up others along the way. And, of course, now Justin and Ant are pastoring, and they have a wonderful staff here. And, and it's, it's awesome to be able to travel the world as I do and not have any concerns about this church. Not have any concerns about the leadership. Amen. I know where their hearts are. I know their allegiance and their faithfulness uh, to the Lord and to me as well. You know, you need people that are faithful. And I appreciate the fact that I can go and do what God's called me to do all over the world and know that back home everything's in order and not having to deal with a bunch of junk. When I get home, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. That's wonderful. You know, there's a lot of pastors who are dealing with junk all the time. They become junkies. <laughs> well, the capital J. But praise God, I'm so thrilled with what God is doing. And there's just a, a, a fresh excitement in me about this church. Amen. Fresh excitement of what God has assigned us to do. And I'm ready to dive into it headlong, praise God. All right, I mentioned to you last Sunday, this morning, and I want to repeat it because it's very important. In a conversation with Brother Copeland recently, back during the month of December, he said to me, Jerry, I recognized years ago the anointing that God has placed upon your life, new anointings, he 
said, and particularly in the office of the seer, which is part of the prophet's ministry, and the apostle. And tonight we're going to talk about what you need to know about the office of the apostle. I am the apostle to this church. And I say that as humbly as I know how. I don't, I'm not saying it in a braggadocious manner. In fact, I would never call myself a prophet or an apostle if it hadn't been for my mentors who recognized it first. And uh, uh, I, I was happy as a teacher. I love teaching. That's my favorite thing to do. And I wasn't looking for additional offices. Amen. But God. <laughs> Amen. It's under his direction. And I'll show you from the words of the Apostle Paul that it's by the will of God and not the will of man. I'm not in these offices because man thought I should be. It's because God should, said I should be. Amen. And so it's important that you understand uh, we talked some about the prophet's ministry and particularly the seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing. That's a, a very vital part of the prophet's ministry is knowing what's on God's agenda, seeing certain things that are to come to pass and, and uh, being a mouthpiece for God in sharing it with the people and encouraging them to rally in faith and believe for those things to take place in their lives. So I mentioned to you that through my mentors, particularly Kenneth Copeland, he recognized and acknowledged these offices many years ago. But in that conversation recently, he said during the year 2020, and I'm not sure when he's going to do it. He may do it next or this coming week in the minister's conference. He may wait and do it uh, during the believers convention later this year. I'm not sure when he's going to do it, but he did say the Lord specifically told him to lay hands on me publicly and to set me apart into those offices, just like Brother Hagin had done for him in a public meeting. And so I'm looking forward to that. Praise God. Now, that's that's not when I became a prophet and an apostle. That That's taken place quite some time ago. But it needs to be done in a public setting. And that's what Brother Copen recognized. He said when he was uh, before the Lord that the Lord told him to do this because it had everything to do with what God has for me to do in the days ahead. It, it affects my future, praise God. And by the way, I'm 73 years old. I feel like I'm 43 and I ain't done yet, praise God. Amen. And for those of you that would prefer better English, I'm not finished yet. In Texas, we ain't done yet, praise God. So don't be shipping our saddle home. Amen. Now, the first thing I want to do is define the word apostle. Define the word apostle. We see it quite often in the New Testament. What is an apostle? Now, we do know that it's one of the fivefold offices of ministry. The apostle Paul said in Ephesians that God has given gifts unto men. And he lists those five major offices of ministry. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. 
And uh, one of those, if you remember, is an apostle. Now, there are some people that function in all of those offices. Not everybody, but some do. I have had the privilege of functioning in all five offices. And it was not by the will of man. It was not by my own personal will. It was by the will of God. A number of years ago, uh, back in 1973, the latter part of 73, the Lord impressed upon me, specifically told me, to leave my position as Kenneth Copeland's associate minister and working full-time with him and launch out into my own ministry. And I was hesitant to do that because God had spoken through Brother Copeland a few years earlier and said that God had made us a team and that we would spend the rest of our lives preaching the Word of God together all over the world. And so when the Lord began to talk to me about uh, leaving his ministry as a full-time employee and associate minister, I, I argued with the Lord. I said, Lord, you said we'd be a team. If I leave, that splits up the team. And he said, no, it won't. He said, it'll enable the team to cover twice as much territory with the same message. Now, back in those days, in 73, there were not many people who were preaching the word of faith. Amen. A handful. And... Uh, and I had learned the word of faith through Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, Brother Roberts in particular. And, of course, uh, in my preaching Brother Copeland's morning services, I was preaching basically the same things that Brother Copeland's preaching in the afternoon the evening service because I learned it all from him. And uh, there were times when, when he'd be in the service where I was preaching, and he'd stand up right in the middle of my sermon and said, Boy, why didn't you tell me that later? I didn't know that. I thought, wow, I received a revelation Kenneth Copeland didn't know. <laughs> it made you feel real good all over, praise God. And uh, uh, then the Lord, as I said, instructed me to, to launch out. So I stayed with him until the end of 1973. And then January the 1st, 74, I launched out into this ministry. And at that time... Uh, I was being invited. In fact, I hit the ground running. I mean, I, I didn't have to ask for a meeting anywhere. People were calling me, asking me to come. And, and, and the day I left and established my own offices, uh, for the next six months, I had meetings all over the country. And everywhere I'd go, somebody would be there and say, can you come here? Can you come here? And, and, and I didn't have to promote myself. I didn't have to uh, get on the phone and beg somebody to ask me to preach. A man's gift makes room for him, praise God. Amen. And so I hit the ground running. And uh, eventually, Brother Copeland asked me to do some meetings with him. And we started doing these meetings down at the um, uh, Will Rogers Auditorium. Some of you may have been in those meetings back in the 70s. Will Rogers Auditorium. And I'd, I would do those meetings with him. And, uh, uh, and then he'd asked me to do some meetings with him in different parts of the country. Uh, one season of our ministries, uh, we were doing what he called Jesus, our Jubilee meetings. And he and I both would preach on Jesus, our Jubilee, back to back. And uh, uh, we went all over the country doing those meetings. So I realized that God had not separated 
or split up the team. In fact, here it is now, 2020, and we're still a team, praise God. Been preaching together for 50 years. Isn't that amazing? Glory to God. Only God can do that. I don't know of a whole lot of ministries that have that testimony. Because usually ministries get in competition with one another and, you know, and there's never been any crosswords between Brother Copeland and I and, and uh, you know, and, and we respect one another. We, 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 we are very, very close and intimate friends. He's Ken, I'm Jer. <laughs> but in the pulpit, that's Brother Copeland. I don't refer to him as Ken when I'm preaching. I don't refer to him as Kenny. A lot of people say, how's Kenny doing? I say, I don't know who you're talking about. You know, Kenny Copeland. Well, you know him that well to call him Kenny? Well, I heard a tape. I don't mean you know him that well. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't ever hear me stand behind the pulpit and say, Kenny, Ken. It's Brother Copeland. I honor his office and I always will. Praise God. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. Hallelujah. Now, you know, we go on vacations together. We ride motorcycles together. We go out and have dinner together. We have fun together. But in a ministry setting, I recognize the anointing of God on his life and the office in which he functions and so forth. And I, and I pay honor to that. The Bible says, give honor where honors do. So when I launched out, I was more or less functioning as a teacher. Now, I started out as a street evangelist, and I've never lost my, my passion for evangelism. That's what Chariots of Light mostly is about, our, our motorcycle outreach. It's about winning souls, and I'm still a soul winner at heart, praise God. But I love teaching, and God began to develop and to perfect that office of the teacher over those years. And then back some years later is when my mentors recognized that God had moved me into the office of prophet and apostle. That apostleship actually began back in 1978. God had instructed me. I was in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1974. And uh, I was out praying one morning, uh, back in those days, a lot of times preachers stayed in people's homes instead of hotels. And there was an elderly couple, <laughs> well, <laughs> they were elderly to me back then. <laughs> they weren't as old as I am now. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, this sweet older couple, <laughs> they had a farm in Hot Springs. And they invited me to stay in their home. And uh, so I did. And, and uh, they had some acreage there. Farmers, you know, had, had crops and so forth. And uh, the gentleman, he said, Brother Jerry, I, well, I asked him one morning. I said, uh, where can I go to pray? A place where I can just be to myself and, and pray. He said, oh, there's a big oak tree back at the end of our property uh, next to a pond. He said, that's where I pray. And he said, that's a great place to pray. I said, well, great. So it's just at the back of this property. He said, you just walk out the back door and just keep walking. You'll run right into it. So I had breakfast with him. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to the, the big oak tree. 
Well, he got up early that morning and got his bush hog out and mowed a path to that tree. And so I walked down there, you know, and got under that tree and had my Bible, my notebook, and I was praying. And the Lord said, I'm sending you to the the continent of Africa. Now, Carolyn had been told as a, a little girl when she got filled with the Holy Spirit at eight or nine years old that she would go to Africa. And the man she married would go to Africa and so forth. And so here it is all these years later. And the Lord starts talking to me about Africa. And he said, now I'm going to send you to Africa. And then he said, now I'm going to, I'm going to enable you to establish ministry in at least 10 African nations. And he gave me the list of all these African nations. And so, uh, when I got home, uh, I shared it with my wife and, and, uh, we began praying about it and expecting God to open the door for us to go. I didn't know a soul in Africa. I didn't know the first thing about getting to Africa. And so I'm just waiting for God's timing. Well, it was 1976 when I started getting invitations from Africa and particularly the nation of Kenya. And so I uh, arranged to, to go in 1978 for my first time. And flying over there on that big jumbo jet. And you have to understand, I don't know a soul in Kenya. I don't know anybody in Africa. And I get off that plane, and the moment my feet hit African soil, the Spirit of God came on me. And and back in those days, you had to go down the stairs of an airplane and then walk into the terminal. And, uh, you know, they didn't have the jet waves and all that. So I, I, I got down on the ground and had my briefcase in my hand, and the Spirit of God came all over me. And I had to put my briefcase down get my notebook out and start writing what he said. I still have that notebook in my archives with exact wordings. And he said, I will raise you up as an apostle to this continent. And then that's when he told me about he would establish, I would establish works in at least 10 African nations, at least 10. And then he said, and, uh, you will, you will, uh, eventually be recognized as an apostle to this nation. And he said, and what you bring them and what you teach them is going to affect them spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, and financially. And so we set out to, first of all, to do crusades like I had seen on film of T.L. Osborne. My first meeting was in a place called Nakuru. And uh, we had about 5,000 people in an open field there. And I preached that first night. And it was exciting. I mean, you know, with all those people out in that open field and, and gave the invitation. And hundreds of people came forward. Praise God. It was exciting. And the next night, the crowds grew. And, and I preached. And uh, the, the invitation affected more people. But I noticed that some of the same people who came the night before came again to get saved. They got saved the night before, but they answered the call again. And then the third night, they all answered the call, and then another group answered. They came forward, it looked like, every night to get saved. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, this is not what I sent you here for. I said, Lord, I've got these crusades set up in Nakuru and in uh, 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 oh, several other cities there in, in Kenya. And... Uh, 
He said, this is not what I sent you here for. He said, and he mentioned T.L. Osborne has evangelized. I want you to teach. I want you to teach the people and have the, show them how to become established in my word. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what the new birth is all about. So I canceled all the crusades that were scheduled in other cities. And I rented a little small church that held about a hundred people. And I just asked that last night, if you are a pastor, come to my meetings and we'll start in the morning. And I taught six times a day for several days. Now, when you send, you know, the reports back home, people want to know how many people did you have in the meetings? Oh, about a hundred, a hundred you know, they're used to getting magazines and newsletters with thousands. It didn't sound too impressive. Well, we had about 100 people each night. Because I, I didn't want people in the meeting that weren't pastors. You can, you can teach 100 pastors, get them established in the Word, and you can change a nation. Amen. So I did that for days and days and days. And, uh, and some of those Men began to establish uh, uh, greater works in their area and so forth. And, and then eventually we sent Wade and Carla Porter over there. Carla's here right now. They, they both worked full-time in Jerry Savelle Ministries. And uh, we were building a medical facility. And I asked them to go over and, and, and uh, oversee this project. And I said, you'll probably be there maybe six months and then you can come back home. Well, they got over there and they fell in love with the people, fell in love with the assignment and decided that Kenya was now home. How long have you been there now, Carla? 32 years. That's the longest six months you ever heard. Amen. And she and Wade continued the work. Now, Wade went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, but Carla's still there. And she is, she is doing a fabulous job. God is using her in a magnificent way, but she's an extension of what we began over there years before. Amen. And we still go there. In fact, I'm headed there in just a, in just a couple of weeks or so. And so uh, I entered into the works of an apostle as early as 1978. Now, I'm not saying that's when I entered into the office or the anointing of the apostle, but it began then. Okay. You follow me? Because apostles, as we'll see in the word, they are planters. They're planters. Amen. Now, a lot of pastors are planters, but not all pastors are apostles. Are you still here? So the word, the word apostle comes from the Greek word, which simply means a sent one. A messenger, a representative, or an ambassador. It's also where we get the word missionary. Missionary is not in the New Testament. The word missionary is not there. So why have we got this group of people called missionaries? Where'd that come from? It came from the word apostle. Amen. And so many missionaries are apostles. 
Amen. Now they don't start out with the anointing of an apostle. And, uh, but they continue the assignment and eventually that anointing comes on them as an apostle and they keep planting everywhere they go. Keep planting. Carla's been telling me about more orphanages and more, uh, works that they're establishing. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Praise God. Can you say amen? Uh, I have a, a pastor friend of mine in London who is from Greece originally, born and raised in Greece. And every time I, I, I get to be with him, we have wonderful conversations after the service. And I love him going over with me words from the Greek. And he, he understands it all. He speaks Greek. He, 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 he was born there. He said, Brother Jerry, you know the word apostle. You can find it in the newspaper in Greece. It'll have uh, uh, in the won't ads. Apostle wanted. Must have owned bicycle. <laughs> because an apostle in the Greek, that's just a, a sent one, a representative. Amen. So sometimes it's not uncommon. He said, it's not uncommon to see the word apostle in our newspaper or on the news. And he said, one time I was reading the paper and it said, uh, under the one one ads, apostle wanted, must have owned bicycle. <laughs> Amen. Now, spiritually, it's a little deeper than owning a bicycle. Amen. <laughs> but it is a messenger. A sent one, a representative or an ambassador. Now, the Apostle Paul made this statement. I'm not going to ask you to turn to all these scriptures, but I would encourage you to make note of them because I want to move as rapidly as we can through this portion of the service so we can get on into the state of the union. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul says, starts off with, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle. Then it goes on to say, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So notice he states his office of ministry, and he states the purpose for that office. A specific purpose. He is an apostle, and he said uh, that he was an apostle under the church of God in Corinth, and that meant... He was an apostle to the Gentiles. Amen. The non-believers. That was his assignment, to reach the non-believers. And in fact, uh, it, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. In other words, he wasn't self-appointed. There are self-appointed prophets. Self-appointed apostles. And um, that's all I'm going to say about that. But it, it was by the will of God for Paul to be an apostle. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Notice it's by the will of God and as it pleases him. I'm not in these offices because I chose to be, I'm not in these offices because, you know, some friend of mine thought I ought to be. 
I'm in these offices by the will of God. And he has set me in those offices because it pleases him. Hallelujah. When it pleases anybody else, it pleases him. And that's all that matters. Amen. The Passion Translation says, to function as he desires. To function as he desires. In Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 9, it says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me whom am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Now listen to this. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So his primary focus was not the Jews, the Gentiles, the non-believers. Amen. Now he did preach to the Jews, but his primary assignment was as an apostle to reach the Gentiles. He said that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So notice he identified himself as an apostle once again, but he also stated why he was in that office of ministry by the will of God. To preach among the Gentiles and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the, ministry, uh, the mystery. So once again, Paul is declaring that his office of ministry was not determined by men, but by the will of God. And God personally qualified him to function in that office. Amen. And notice also that with that office come certain gifts and anointings. Did you notice that? He spoke of gifts, gifts and anointings that, that, that are associated with that office of ministry. Galatians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. I wonder why it was so uh, necessary for him to say that in his greeting in nearly every letter he wrote. Because there were false apostles. There were false teachers and so forth. And he certified that his calling and his office was not by man, but by God himself, by the will of God. One commentary states, an apostle carries the delegated authority of the one who sends him. He carries the delegated authority of the one who sends him. Paul went on to say in verses 11 and 12, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was it I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the uh, characteristics of a true apostle is that he has experiences with the Lord, resulting in tremendous revelations given unto him by the Lord himself. Paul wrote in his second letter to the believers in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 12, 1, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. That also is one of the characteristics of a true apostle. He will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Over the years, and I'm now approaching 51 years of ministry, I have received many visions and revelations of the Lord, many of which have impacted people all over the world. And I'm not saying that in a braggadocious manner, but a lot of the sermons that I preach, I did not get from man. I didn't read somebody's book to get it. 
Now, I started out that way, you know, because I didn't know anything. I mean, if you heard me preach, you, 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 you would have thought it was Kenneth Copeland, just in a different tone of voice, you know. Uh, uh, one pastor after I preached said, all you are is a Kenneth Copeland clone. I don't even know what the word clone meant. I started to sock him. I thought, watch it, sucker. You know, what do you mean a clone? <laughs> he said, why don't you get your own message? All you are is a Kenneth Copeland clone. And I got home from that meeting. It was in Oklahoma City. And Brother Copeland and I were together, and he said, how was your meeting? I said, oh, I had a good time. I don't know whether the people had a good time or not, but I had a good time. And he said, uh, what church were you in? And I said, yeah, I told him which one. And I told him, he said, oh, is that the, and he called the pastor's name, and he started laughing. And I said, you know what that pastor told me? All I was was a Kenneth Copeland clone. He just threw his head back and laughed and said, that's exactly what he said to me when I was there. All you are is a Kenneth Hagen clone. That ain't bad. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Amen. But over a period of time, I began to receive messages that I never heard anybody preach. Revelations that I never heard anybody share. I'm not saying somebody hadn't shared them somewhere, but I never heard them. And many times, God would give me visions and revelations that would go around the world and and still impacting people around the world to this day. Amen. And once again, I'm not bragging about that. I'm, I'm just stating uh, facts here. As the Apostle Paul said, I certify, brethren, that I did not receive my message from man. And many of the sermons I preached, I didn't, I didn't learn it from man. It was by direct revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That time in 1981 in Charlotte, North Carolina, when I received a visitation of the Lord, came into my room, Shekinah glory filled that room where I couldn't even see the furniture. And the Lord said to me, I'm going to teach you the principles of, of, of getting out of financial famine. And he began to teach me those principles. And uh, went over to the service that night, and Brother Copeland picked up on it. He said, Jerry, God visited you today. Come tell us what he said. And then I preached on, I called it, sowing in famine. That message went around the world. In fact, Brother Roberts was watching it on Kenneth Copeland's broadcast a few weeks later, he and Evelyn, and he called me to his office and said, I want you to preach that message that you preached on Brother Copeland's office. I want you to preach it to me and Evelyn, and uh, uh, I, I don't want you to leave out a word. Preach it just like you did on the broadcast. And he put a uh, a chalkboard in front of me, gave me a piece of chalk when I walked in his office. He said, write the three main scriptures you talked about and three main points and then start preaching. And if I don't understand something, I'll interrupt you. If I, if I want to ask questions, I'll interrupt you. He said, if I want more insight into that, I'll interrupt you. And he said, when I get through with you, I'll let you know if you had a visitation of the Lord. <laughs> he kept me for six hours. I preached to Oral Roberts for six hours. I was supposed to go home that afternoon. When I left his office, my brain was smoking. Fire, smoke coming out of my ears, man. I, I didn't know which way was up. And I asked somebody to help me get to the hotel across the street. And I just went to bed. I mean, boy, 
He drained me. And then he said this, you've heard from God. Are you going to write a book about that? I said, I plan to. He said, you better hurry up because I am too. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell anybody where I got this. Now, that's fine, Brother Roberts. I've been doing you that way for years. Hallelujah. I wrote my book called Sowing in Famine. He wrote his book and he called it Attack Your Lack. <laughs> Amen. And, and that was a revelation. I mean, it went around the world. It impacted churches and ministries all over the world and still is to this day. Amen. And I didn't receive it from that. The sermon, one of my most popular sermons and most popular books to this day, and I wrote it in 1981, and I'd never heard anybody teach on this subject ever. And it went around the world. It's been printed in I don't know how many different languages, reprinted over and over and over. If Satan can't steal your joy. He can't keep your goods. I got that by revelation of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I didn't get it from man. That, that's one of the characteristics of apostleship. So notice here, the apostle Paul says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, another important factor regarding the office of the apostle is that there are unusual, uh, unusual and remarkable power gifts associated with this office. Power gifts. The working of miracles. And so forth. They're listed in the nine gifts of the spirits in the, the book of Corinthians. The apostles, their ministries are usually associated with power gifts. There are miracles that take place. Now, as I said to you last Sunday when I was here... Uh, I, I haven't functioned in this church all the time like I usually do when I'm traveling. Because we have miracles nearly everywhere we go. We have, we have signs and wonders in other places that I preach nearly everywhere I go. In fact, most of the time, I'll go into a place for one night and it has the potential of being an extended meeting because of this, the miracles that take place. Amen. And the people are so hungry, they don't want the meeting to stop. And, and I'm, I'm praying about how to, how to accommodate that and not, not book up myself where I gotta be in five or six different cities in the same week, but, but give room to the Holy Spirit. And many times I've done that in the past where I'd go into one place and the Lord say, stay here until I tell you to leave. And I'd wind up staying 21 nights. And I was only supposed to be there one night. Glory. And it was one of the most powerful meetings I'd ever been in. Joe travels with me nearly everywhere I go. He's seen it. Tony's with me most everywhere I go. He's seen it. Amen. So one of the characteristics of an apostle is there are power gifts that are associated with this office. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to, to be in manifestation more frequently when I preach here, praise God. Amen. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. Signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. The signs of an apostle. He's, he referred to them as signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Once again, 
Apostles are planters. They plant churches. They plant Bible schools. They plant orphanages. They plant training centers. They plant institutions for deeper um, and intensified training in, in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They're planters. This church is a result of, of that office of the apostle. <clears throat> Carol and I didn't want to start another church. We had plenty to do without starting another church. Back in uh, 1976, we planted a church that was called Overcoming Faith Center. Some of you that are in this church were in that church. And I didn't really intend to start a church back then. Uh, but the Lord instructed me, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord instructed me to provide a place where people could hear the word of faith on a consistent basis. Because back in those days, there was not a word of church, word of faith church in Fort Worth. Now, some of them said they were, but they were only a word of faith church when Brother Hagen came to town. After he left, they preached faith a little bit, and then they'd go back to their religious tradition. And the Lord said, you provide people with a place where they can hear the word of faith on a consistent basis. So we started renting the old Hilton Hotel downtown Fort Worth, the ballroom there. And I would fly in from my meetings all over the country, get home on Saturday night, and go to the Hilton Hotel on Sunday. And I was just preaching the word of faith. And, and in a little while, man, we had over 300 people showing up. And, uh, and now they're wanting, you know, Sunday night service. They're wanting kids services. They're wanting, they're wanting, they're wanting. <laughs> I never intended to start a church. But the need was there. And so we planted a church. We built a building on the, uh, an extension of our offices. And uh, that's where we had the church. And I did that until about 1981. And then the Lord instructed me to merge that congregation with Harold Nichols Church so that I could go to the world. And so we merged that church with Harold Nichols Church. And I began to travel the world. And uh, I was in South Africa 20 years ago. I'd been going there for a long time. And I was on my way back from South Africa. And as soon as I came in the house, Carolyn said, the Lord visited me while you were gone. And told me that there are hurting people in this vicinity, this area. And that we are to love them for him. I said, well, how did he say we're supposed to do that? Start a church. Oh, Hallelujah. And I tell them what you had told me. I had sensed maybe a couple of years before that maybe three years before that God wanted us to establish another church. And Carolyn said, those are grounds for divorce. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? She said, that, well, I'm not going, I'm, I am not going to be involved in starting another church. Well, I didn't want a divorce. I love the Lord, but I love my wife too, you know, so 
I, so I dropped that. I never brought it up again, you know. And then she said the Lord told her this. That's right. She said the Lord would have to talk to me in a burning bush. And anyway, he showed up. I don't know what was burning, but he showed up. <laughs> I just come home from South Africa, man. I'm I'm on. I'm going to rest a couple of days, change my clothes, and pack another suitcase, and I'm headed out. She said, God told us to start a church. I often wondered back then, why aren't you pastoring it? (laughs) But I became the pastor. We started the church, planted this church. That's part of the office of the apostle. He plants. Now, we've planted churches all over the world. We've, we've raised up pastors to, to oversee those churches and, and, and pastor those churches. But that's the reason I still travel the world is like the Apostle Paul, and I'll show you where he said this. He said to Barnabas one time, let us go back to all those places where we've, and I'm paraphrasing, established works and see how they do. David and Wendy have an extension of this church. It's Heritage of Faith Church. On the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Dave and Wendy came to our Bible school and uh, worked in the ministry here and then felt like they were supposed to go back home and plant a church. They've received me as the apostle to that church. Amen. And from time to time, I go back and see how they do. (laughs) Amen. And I might add they're doing well. Glory to God. We have churches in South Africa. We have churches in Australia. We have churches... All over the world. Amen. Not all of them call themselves heritage of faith, but they derived from this ministry. That's part of the office of the apostle, a planter. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, Acts chapter 14, the apostle Paul says to Barnabas, we should return again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch and confirm the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. That's what an apostle does. He goes back to those places where he's helped establish and planted and, and exhorts them to continue in the faith. Acts chapter 15, verse 40 and 41. And Paul went through Syria and, and Sicilia, confirming the churches. The New International Version says, strengthening the churches. It's one of the reasons why I still travel the world as I do. It's part of the apostleship. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Even though I don't go visit those churches every year, most of the time every other year. But like the apostle Paul said, even though I'm not there in the flesh, I'm present in the spirit. Sometimes the Lord reveals to me things that are going on in those churches. I, I've been sitting here at home, minding my own business. And the Lord say, get in your car and drive to this place a couple of hundred miles away where there's a minister that's come up under this ministry. And, and the Lord said to me, get in your car and drive there right now. And just show up at his front door. Because he's, he's contemplating committing suicide. Well, I 
hadn't talked to him, and I don't know when. I got in my truck, and I drove down there, knocked on his front door. He was shocked to see me. And I, he said, what are you doing here, Brother Jerry? I said, I come to talk you out of committing suicide. He just started weeping. He said, I've been thinking about it all morning. I'm going to blow my head off. I feel like a failure. See, I was not with him in the flesh, but I was with him in the spirit. A church out in California that was part of our group that come up under this ministry. I was, I was once again, I, I just mind my own business. The Lord said, get in the airplane and fly out to California and just show up in his service tomorrow. Don't even tell him you're coming. I flew out there, went through the door just like everybody else, took a seat, you know, close to the back. I was just sitting there. He started preaching. Then he saw me. He stopped me. He said, oh, my Lord, Jerry Savelle is here. Have I done something wrong? <laughs> I said, no. And I didn't know at that time what the Lord had sent me there for. But I knew I was supposed to be there. And when he said, well, Brother Jerry, if there's anything you need to say, I, I, I turned the pulpit to you. I got up, and it was when I got up behind the pulpit, I knew what God wanted me to say. And this man was about to lose his building, and he needed $100,000 to keep him losing the building. And I said, and there's somebody in here, you've never been to this church before, God sent you here this morning, and you're the man that's going to put the $100,000. The man got up and said, here's the check I brought it this morning, brought the $100,000. Hallelujah. I said, thank you very much, got an airplane, flew back home. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. That's, that's part of the ministry of the apostle. Now, that doesn't happen to me every Saturday. Thank God. Sometimes I do get to watch a football game, you know. Apostles are human. Amen. I don't live in some bubble. Ooh. I don't have a halo follow me around everywhere I go. Like, like Jesse says, every once in a while I have a fit of carnality. You know? <laughs> Amen. I have, to, I have to take authority over my flesh just like you do. I have to take authority over my mind just like you do. Amen. Praise God. Like, like David said one time, you know, uh, I've often asked the Lord if I could use that prayer of David over some people. David said, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. <laughs> but he won't let me pray that. So I just say, in the name of Jesus, all their children will be born naked and have no teeth. <laughs> That's as far as he lets me take it. <laughs> And it works every time I pray that, praise God. Not one, not one of their children was born with clothes on. And not one of them had teeth when they came. Hallelujah. God hears my prayers. Praise God. Amen. So I said that to say this. I'm not always here in the flesh. But I'm here in the spirit. Amen. Uh, if, if it's possible... I endeavored to watch uh, the service on Sunday, hear Brother Justin preach, praise God. 
if, if I have that opportunity, sometimes I'm in a different time zone and it affords me to do that. I don't get to do it all the time, but a lot of times I'll, uh, if I'm flying back somewhere I'll, and I get to the next place, I'll, I'll go on our website and pick up the service and watch it. But whether I'm here or not in the flesh, I'm here in spirit. Why? Because God ordained me and commissioned me to plant this place. Hallelujah. So I, I've got you in my heart. I've got you in my prayers. And even though I'm not here all the time, in the flesh, I'm here in spirit. Acts 14, verse 23, the New International Version. Paul and Barnabas, oh, this is another part of the uh, apostles' ministry. They ordain and establish anointed leadership. They ordain and establish anointed leadership. Acts 14, 23, New International Version. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So notice as an apostle, it was their responsibility to raise up the leaders. I had a pastor tell me one time, you and Brother Copeland and and ministers like you that travel all the time, you're parasite ministries. I said, what do you mean by that? And he didn't say it in a very loving way. You're just parasite ministries. You're just leeches. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you ought to be submitted to our church. We tell you what you can do. and We tell you where you can go. I said, well, sir, you need to read the New Testament again. It wasn't pastors who established traveling ministries. It was the traveling ministry who established the church. If anybody's out of order, it's you. You didn't ask me if you could start this church. And I didn't commission you to do it. Parasite. I was a little nicer. I was a little nicer. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You read the book of Acts. Pastors didn't go around establishing the traveling ministry and the apostles and so forth. It was the apostles who established the churches and raised up and established the leadership. Amen. I remember, oh, back in about 1986, I took a group of pastors to Kenya with me. And we were doing uh, outside or outdoor rallies and so forth. And, and uh, we were in a, a town called Kakamega, right near the, uh, the border. And we were doing these meetings. And, and the last night, I gathered them up in my room. And uh, these are pastors I'd preached for, and many of them I'd known for a long time. Gathered them up in my room, and I'll never forget I was endeavoring to teach them something about a lot of the things I'm telling you right now. Because the Lord had told me, you, you bring Paul and Philippi back together. And I knew what he meant because Paul said at the church at Philippi that it was one of the few churches where they recognized his apostleship and they partnered with him. And he said, you tell these pastors that you will be the apostle to their church. They're Philippi, you're Paul. Bring them together. And so I I made a presentation and I said, if you trust me, you believe in what I'm called to do, 
Some of you will never go to the, to the, to the other continents. Some of you will never go to Africa or Asia or anywhere like that. I do. And every church, every, every local church needs a missions program. Thank you very much. Every church ought to be involved in missions. And I said, if you can't go and you don't feel like you're supposed to go, then I will be the apostle for your church. Send me. Amen. I remember Brother uh, Harold Nichols. When I got back home, I, I talked to him about it. And he said, Brother Jerry, uh, I, I'm so glad you go to Africa and all these places. He said, Is, there's a difference in being sent and just went. He said, you go because you're sent. If I went, it'd just be because I went. Amen. He said, you're anointed because you're sent. I'd just go because I wanted to go or you asked me to go, but I'm not sent. So I'll help you go. I'll partner with your ministry. So he helped me build churches over there. Praise God. Amen. And so that night we established what is now called the President's Cabinet. And it started right there in my hotel room in Kenya. And all those parents, the majority of them, all those parents, they were the, the charter members of the President's Cabinet. And this is the group that's expanded over the years. These, these are the men and the women, uh, pastors and businessmen and so forth, that help us establish works all over the world. And it was birthed out of that one meeting. That's, that's part of the apostleship. Amen. And so here, once again, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that it was important for him to go back to those places where he had established various works and see how they were doing, encourage them to continue in the faith, and so on. Now, here's your part. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a part. I do want you to go to Ephesians 6. First of all, I ask you, as humbly as I know how, to recognize my office. And it doesn't make me any better than you are. I'm not high-minded about this. (laughs) I'm still Jerry. Amen. I don't know all of you as well as Justin does. But I am the founding pastor and the apostle of this church. Amen. And I'm not untouchable. A lot of times when I come into these services, uh, and I learned this from Brother Copeland and Brother Roberts, I don't do a lot of visiting before I preach. Because they taught me the last voice you want to hear before you go to the pulpit is the voice of God. And it happened this morning when I was laying hands on people. That was not the time for counseling. That was not the time for you to tell me your story. And a couple tried, and I just had to keep moving them on. But they wanted to tell me their story, or they wanted me to, you know, pray about something. That, that was not what that was about. Amen. And I'm not trying to be ugly about it, you know, or high-minded. But that was not what that was about. Amen. So, I'm touchable. I am friendly. To know me is to love me. 
Now, here's your part. Ephesians chapter 6. And he talks about, in beginning in verse 10, about putting on the armor of God, which is prayer armor, as he goes on to say. And then you'll notice in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, in addition to all these other pieces of armor he's already mentioned. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. And for me. That utterance, this is how you pray. You pray for me. As your apostle. Pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Amen. Amen. So your assignment is to pray for me. Hallelujah. Now, I've, I've done something here to help you in that. A lot of times in the past, but that's not going to be like this anymore. You don't even know where I'm at. Trust me, I'm not skipping church. <laughs> most of you don't have a clue where I'm at. So we're going to help you. Ushers, where do you have? You have those, uh, those flyers we printed up? Can you grab those real quick? Let me have one of those, sir. Thank you. I have had our media department put together, Ken particularly, where's Ken? Put together the first quarter of my itinerary. You'll notice soon I'll be in Africa and soon I'll be in Europe. And these are other places I'll be in the U.S. I want you to have one of these as your point of contact to pray for me. And every quarter you're going to get a new one. And it's going to have my complete itinerary. Now I say complete, it, it, it's as best we can determine because it changes from time to time. In fact, I'm not only doing my own meetings, but I'm doing all of Brother Copeland's meetings with him. And, and sometimes he adds something that we didn't know about until it was too late. Uh, to, and, and it's already been printed. But this just covers up through the end of March. So I want everyone to have one of these. Take them home with you. Put, a, put it somewhere where you can lay your hands on it and pray. Also, I want you to include in that prayer, Tony, stand up. Joe, stand up. Eric, stand up. Ken, stand up. Richard, stand up. These are the men that primarily go with me. Not everywhere I go. Mostly Joe goes nearly everywhere I go. Tony goes nearly everywhere I go. Eric's just joined the team not too long ago, and he's beginning to go nearly everywhere I go. Ken goes from time to time. Richard goes from time to time. I want you to include these men. So, gentlemen, would you come to the front here? And I want all of you to stretch your hands out toward us. Amen. Because we're, we're getting ready to set sail. Hallelujah. Beginning in February, we're going to be in Ghana. We're going to be in Kenya. We're going to be in South Africa. And then later uh, in the, in the uh, early part of March, we'll be all over Europe. And I need your prayers. 
I need your prayers more now than I ever have before. So a lot, of, a lot of these places we're going, they're not as safe as they used to be. There's some places that I used to be real comfortable in, in certain hotels and certain areas. Could walk around and feel free and, you know, and then some of those places, you wouldn't dare go back to those spots anymore. They're dangerous. And it's a different world today. Terrorism, all that stuff. We don't get on the plane without confessing Psalm 91. Without confessing Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. I take that, if, it, if I'm not on my own airplane, then I take authority over the airplane I'm flying on. And I call it into my ministry. And all these people are sitting around me are my guests. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but I'm decreeing no weapon formed against me shall prosper. One woman got on a flight with me one time. She was so afraid. She didn't want to get on. She, she was, I mean, in fear, big time. And she had to fly. And her family said, there's no other way for you to get there but flying. She sat down and grabbed the arms of that chair and her knuckles went white. I said, uh, is this your first flight? Yes, and I hate it, and I don't want to go. We're going to crash. I said, no, man, we're not going to crash. She said, how do you know? I said, I'm under assignment. I have an assignment. I'm a minister. God travels with me. Just relax. You're in the safest place in the airplane, next to me. <laughs> Amen. And we arrived safely. And she got up and smiled real big and said, if I ever fly again, I hope I get to fly by you. <laughs> now, we've had some, some situations from time to time, you know, but God, hallelujah. Amen. So, you've got one of these. I want you to take it home with you. And don't just, you know, throw it aside. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Just walk over to it and lay your hands on it. And say, Father, I'm praying for Brother Jerry and the team. Give them utterance. Keep them safe. Give them favor. Amen. Stretch your hands out toward us right now. Justin, would you lead this church in prayer? And you just pray in the Spirit for us right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for Dr. Savell, our apostle. And we just thank you that you said the steps of a good man are ordered by you. So, Father, I thank you that as you ordered his steps, I thank you that he is surrounded by angels. He has divine thank protection. You, we thank you for every single person that's traveling with him. Thank you, Father. They're always in the right place at the right time, in the right relationships, you, in the right churches. We thank you, Father, that divine revelations flows through him. Thank you that he always has a word in season to those that are weary. We thank you, Father, that, that, that the ministry is coming up. I thank you, Lord, that everywhere they go, I thank you, Lord, that, that, you, that Lord healings, that miracles, divine appointments, divine connections, divine relationships yes, take place. We thank you that 2020, every ministry trip will be profitable, profitable, profitable. And it will be, be, be marked, by, marked by miracles, marked by revelations, marked by increase. We thank you for supernatural increase everywhere they go. 
Thank we you, thank you, Father, that his voice continues to expand and abound more yes, and more in every way. And we thank you, Father, for great victories, great victories in the Hallelujah. lives that hear the message of faith, that hear the message of supernatural increase. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I receive your prayers. Let's give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.